A Beautiful City by Alison Fogg. Eleanor Gray thinks the man behind the counter at the Greyhound ticket desk has the look of someone who reads a lot of porn. It's the way he looks at her like he's checking her out and licks his lips as his eyes crosses her breasts with an almost imperceptible shake of his head at the same time as though comparing her somewhat unfavourably with the others in the catalogue in his head and indeed under his mattress. He has seen better elsewhere. She looks out at the rectangle of sunshine streaking through the doorway. The man says, leaves tomorrow at six, darling, and adjusts his tie in a provocative way, elastic twanging around the collar, licking fleshy lips and winking. She mumbles, thanks, and gets outside as the bus she's just got off drives away without her. She now has exactly 14 hours before she can leave Iowa City. The first thing she needs to do is get out of the heat, which is hitting 90 degrees. The streets are deserted, and her footsteps echo on the concrete, and after about five minutes, she cannot stand it and ducks into a coffee shop, heading upstairs where it might be quiet and she can think about what to do next because, well, even by her standards, it's a bit early to start drinking. But then, some time later, there is a creak on the stairs and a woman with red hair and a t-shirt saying, Iowa mom, arrives and sits down at the table alongside and takes out a folder. They nod at each other. Eleanor looks out of the window, watching her reflection in the glass. The street below is silent. At that moment, a random gust of wind blows the window next to her shut and scatters the woman's papers across the table and onto the floor. Eleanor gathers them up and hands them over. That was odd. The weather's been so still. Thanks, says the woman, in a tone which Eleanor feels is a little curt and goes back to work. But then she looks up and says, There's probably a storm brewing. There were a few last week. I wasn't here then. I was in London, says Eleanor. There is a pause. It had been some time since Ellen had had a conversation with anybody. Not since she was in an office reading that email before clearing her desk and deleting the entire Q drive and walking out of the office towards the lift without looking back. Eleanor Gray bets the woman opposite in the Iowa Mom t-shirt wouldn't mess her life by walking out on her job and her husband on the same day. She looks like she gets up early to exercise and colour codes all her appointments on her phone instead of keeping notes written on bits of paper in the bottom of her bag. The woman says, Are you on vacation? And Eleanor shakes her head. No, 
I'm just travelling through. Got to move on. And when she says this, her heart beats a little faster with excitement. After a moment, she says, But I have been here once before I started college. I'm kind of retracing my steps. Unfinished business, if you will. The woman looks mildly intrigued. So Eleanor pulls out a photo out of her purse and uncrinkles it. Look, this is me in the bar across the street. Wow, says the woman, looking curiously. You carry that around with you? Eleanor prods a frappuccino with a straw. Yeah, I know. I was in love with the guy in the picture. She keeps quiet about the subsequent shameless fuck on the sofa of some porch to the west of the campus. Of course, this is the purpose of her visit. She may not have long and needs to keep moving, but Eleanor Gray is not just travelling through any more than the son of the man on the bus with the hip flask was a good kid really even though he was currently doing five years in a correctional facility in Chicago. The man on the bus was going home to Las Vegas and said it was the most beautiful city in the world and she had smiled politely and said yes she was sure it was but he was slurring a bit by then, and she'd been glad when the bus had pulled off the I-80 and, and headed down the hill to Iowa City. Eleanor Gray has spent 15 years on a relationship that meant nothing, and she is about to pick up where she left off, even if she only has 12 hours to do it. Time has passed. And it is 7 p.m. Ella walks to the bar, guessing it will look the same, smell the same, with the same sticky floor, playing the same appalling rock, the same dead-eyed grad students and beyond, clinging on to their last vestiges of their youth. But the beer is cheap and she looks, well, cheap as she catches sight of herself in the gleaming windows of the sports bar next door, which is full of attractive people with prospects. The last time she was here, Eleanor Gray had prospects, in a way that you do when you're young and single and travelling, full of hope and anecdotes with cut-offs and beads. This time, it depends on what you consider prospects, because wrinkles and backpack aren't a great look. But Jason can keep Natalie from her office, she thinks. Natalie certainly won't be sleeping well with anyone after the things Eleanor said she might do to her when she cornered her on Tuesday afternoon before she left. All that broken glass had kind of freaked her out as well. Good job she jumped on a plane later on, just in case anyone said anything. She opens the door, and her eyes adjust to the darkness. 
things you could say and the things you could do, thinks Eleanor as she walks towards the bar, when you didn't actually have to do much. Although she's realised that a bit late. She leans against the counter, leaning away again when her waist encounters something cold and wet, and looks around. Luck is on her side. He sits in a corner, reading a paper, looking pretty much the way he had done when she first set eyes on him in this same bar 15 years ago. Except he has a massive receding hairline and is wearing glasses, which he probably didn't before, proving that his Facebook and Twitter profiles are inaccurate. There is a picture and glasses on the table. He looks up as she smiles and he blinks and smiles back. Eleanor Gray feels her chest growing hot and her heart thud behind her bra as she orders an amaretto sour and walks very slowly over to the booth where he's sitting at because her legs are wobbling with a combination of excitement and fear. She is aware of him watching her and he smiles again as she approaches. Hey, he says, I keep looking at you and think I know you. You probably do, she says, sitting down. I wasn't sure if you'd be here, she says. He raises an eyebrow. Well, it's not my traditional hangout these days, he says. Then he looks at her backpack. You're in town for long. She shakes her head. Bus leaves tomorrow at six. I've got to move on. I'm going to Vegas. Beautiful after all, like the man on the bus had said. And she will need money soon. She grins. Wanna come? He looks amused. I'd love to, but... She laughs and drains her drink. Yeah, I know. There is a pause, and her hair falls across her breast where her top has slipped. She refills both glasses and misses. A miller light splashes all over the table. Where is your husband? He says suddenly, looking at her rings and filling her glass from the picture on the table. He fucked someone called Natalie, she says, as she remembers the colour on Natalie's face in the lift when she'd said what she was going to do with her. She stops for a moment. I'm erasing the time I spent with him and going back to where I was before, which was here in Iowa City, heading west. Kind of like Thelma and Louise, he says. Yes, but on a bus and by myself. <laughs> but yes, she says, and prays he doesn't ask her why she's not driving. The glass is 
mysteriously empty again. But her eyes are sparkling as they meet his before she goes to her, her purse to dig out the photograph and join everything together. Shit, I can't find it, she says, going through her bag and remembering sliding it across the table to the woman in the ice cream parlour, who did not slide it back. She can feel his foot against hers, remembering the last time she was here. The way she had felt that connection, even though she had said she was just passing through. And he had looked at her and says, can't you stay? And she had said no, and regretted it ever since. It's getting late. I should go, she says, because the bar which had filled up is now empty and they're playing guns and roses. I need to go to my hotel. I'll walk with you, he says, getting up, and they leave. When they get to the street, she steps out from the curb and he grabs her hand because she's walking straight in front of a car. And it isn't until they're halfway down the street towards the Capitol building that she realises that his hand is still in hers. And she smiles as he stops and kisses her. The heat has not died and it is as stifling as ever as her stomach turns over as the railroad clangs forever in the still night air. Scott Harmon hurries back home early the next morning before questions are asked if he is late for work and with the sort of smile on his face that, can, that only an unexpected sexual encounter in an arid desert of opportunity can bring. Funny how things turn out, he thinks, jogging by the river and heading east. He never normally went to the Deadwood. He was only supposed to be meeting his brother, who didn't arrive. something familiar about that woman, though he couldn't exactly place her. Maybe he'd seen her on TV, he thinks, blood pounding his chest as he rounds a bend. He hopes she wasn't wanted for anything. <laughs> he should pay more attention to the news. Scott Harmon reaches his apartment and continues his day. Eleanor Gray wakes at sunrise in an empty motel room on the Coral Strip, where the, street, where the sheets are rumpled on both sides of the bed. She smiles and gathers up her things and gets a cab to the Greyhound station as the clouds part, leaving a white and yellow sky. It's a long while until Las Vegas, but it's a beautiful city, she thinks giving the clerk at the ticket desk a dazzling smile and blowing a kiss before boarding the bus to see how far she can go.